2 Timothy 2, verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civil, civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Thanks, Colin. Hey, we've got a good study tonight after I get my workout in of carrying this. You wouldn't believe how heavy. This is like real metal and real, real wood. It's like super heavy. Will, great job. And Ben and Camille also, great job. You can clap for them. They did a great job, yeah. Hey, I appreciated Cass and Maddie uh, sharing with y'all, and it's hard to do announcements. It's really hard to be the host and the MCs because there's like major happenings going on back at the coffee bar and uh, the food area, and then there's people that are like, I haven't seen you in three weeks, how are you? And then Mass and Cat, or Cass, Mass and Caddy, that's what they're called now. Cass and Maddie, they're up here like, we're gonna sell this to you. And they do an awesome job. Everybody who hosts does. I just wanna reiterate two things they said. One, if you're new with us and this is like your second week or first week, because we didn't have these cards a couple of weeks ago, or if you've just never filled one out. But we'll have these cards, and it has all kinds of information. They'll be right over here at this desk on your way out. We'd love to know that you're here, and then I will text you, and you'll have my info, and I'll try to help you get connected. Also, the bonfire that Heather and I are having at our house, at our house is a little bit generous. It's more like a headline than like a real thing. Um, you have to keep reading. We, we live on some property next to uh, a bunch of land. That bunch of land is owned by my father, and he has kindly said, yeah, you can have a bonfire there. He said, how many are you talking? Like 30, 40? And I was like, he was like, how many are you thinking? Like 100? I was like, well, he said 200? I said, maybe. And so he was like, sounds great. So we're, we're ex we'll, we'll be great with a couple hundred folks. Parking is going to be the thing. There's a Cobb County Park. We're like one mile off of 75. If, if, after you get out of the perimeter and you get into Cobb County, we're one mile off. You're going to go past our house and you're going to park at a place called Skip Wells Park. It's a Cobb County Park. You'll park there. You'll walk back up the road, walk down, and you'll see like we'll have signs and stuff up, but it's going to be amazing. That is a great time if you're like, you know what? I love Bible study, I love singing, but I also just like wanna to talk to some people and not have 
uh, like just have a little more time, that's gonna be the perfect night. We'll have a television on. If Auburn ends up playing at that time, Heather will not be available to talk with you, um, but she'll talk with you before and after the game. Is that right, sweetheart? Yeah, Heather, Heather, you may not know this, this is eating into our teaching time, but Heather like knows where kids were recruited from. She knows like what school didn't get them, what school did get them, like why they picked that school. She's, she's, she told me on Saturday night when we were getting back home, she said, I'm kind of the man of the family when it comes to football. And I was like, all right, <laughs> all right. But she, that's, there we go, War Eagle, I heard that. She is kind of the man of the family when it comes to college football. She just knows a lot more about who's who, and uh, she's third generation deep. I went to KSU when there was no football team, so whoever I married, yeah, who do you, that's what I'm talking about. Whoever I married was gonna get my allegiance, and, uh, and yes, I definitely got her. Um, I saw a text come in about the QR code, is it right? Yes, okay, good, perfect. The QR code is right. So just want you, we want you to all come. It's gonna be a really fun night. Bring tons of folks. There won't be Bible study, there won't be music, there won't be teaching. It will be just pure like hanging out, fellowship, bonfires, and there'll be a bunch of bonfires. So if you're like, how do you get all those people around one fire? You don't, um, but you can get a bunch of people around a bunch of fires. And so it, it'll just be a super chill evening. We hope a bunch of you, Sarah Carroll, it is not right, okay. There's debate on this QR code. This one's right. This one's right. It's not right. Jamie, Jamie is the tiebreaker. Jamie, yell real loud. What are we, what's, what's wrong with it? It does work. Kevin said it works great. Okay. You know what? Everything was so smooth until I got up here. <laughs> this was such a great evening. Okay. All right, look, here's what we're gonna do. We'll make sure that the right one is up when we're done tonight. So just look back up at the televisions. We'll make sure the right one is up. Hey, Brandon, let's just go ahead and let's just jump into some of these slides. I mentioned last week in 2 Timothy, go ahead and turn there if you have not yet. We're in a series, we're gonna look through the book of 2 Timothy, super relevant book. It is a book that you can hear me teach on and then all of a sudden say, wait, he skipped over this verse or didn't talk about this one enough. We are not gonna be able to cover this exhaustively like I would like to. Otherwise, we'd be doing this until about March if we were to cover every little thing, which means there's tons of room for you to dig in and research and grab and figure out what is the Lord telling me through this book. And again, it is very, very relevant. In fact, the longer, to use an old word, the longer the Lord tarries, the, the, in his return, the more relevant this book will become. So let's take a look. Second Timothy chapter one is what we were in last week. And the idea in chapter one is that there's gonna be two camps and Paul is painting this picture. This is true today. There's going to be at, at, at the, the beginning, Paul is talking about one group of Christians. As time goes on, there's gonna end up being two camps of Christians. One camp is gonna be the faithful, 
They live out the call for Christ. The second camp is going to be those who used to walk with God. You already know if you've been a Christian for the last four or five years, really been walking with the Lord the last four or five years, you already know folks that have fallen into the second camp. The older you get, the more people you'll see in that second camp. There's all kinds of things that will take folks into that second camp. It is not impossible to return from that second camp, but it's really hard. And so, especially the longer you stay there, the chairs are more comfortable, the food's a little better, life's a little bit easier in a lot of ways. And so Paul paints this picture and he says, Timothy, you can be like me, you can be like your mom, you can be like your grandmother, you can be like, and then he, he lists one of, one of his other buddies, he says, you can be like us, or you can be like, and then he lists two fellas. He's going to continue throughout this book listing more and more people that are in that second camp, the camp that has fallen away. And so what I mentioned last week, there's an underlying principle in this whole book that you and I, if we are Christians, are called to suffer for the Lord. And apparently, I could have explained that a lot better because I showed a couple of climbing pictures. I'll show you those pictures. And I was like, see, I've suffered before. Here's the first one. It's a beautiful day. Me and a buddy are climbing a mountain out in the Pacific Northwest. Next picture. The day starts turning a little less beautiful. Do you see those clouds in the background? We were very high when those clouds started to come in. Next picture. The clouds came closer. The beautiful day turned into a not awesome day. That not awesome day, after about 17 repels getting off the mountain, left us on the side of the mountain for the night. Yep, that's us. Left us on the side of the mountain for the night. In a shiver bivy is what it's called. We were, we spooned, me and my buddy Andrew. We had a great opportunity to just like, you know, do a deodorant check. But like, we were very close and it was a bad night. Now. I used that illustration for suffering because I signed up to suffer when I went on that climbing trip. I knew there's risk involved. It's not safe. There's inherent things that can go wrong. And so I knew, hey, we've got opportunity here to have some suffering. There's risk and reward. When I came to Christ, nobody told me that suffering might be involved. When I came to Christ, it was God will forgive me of my sins. He'll give me a fresh start and a new life. And one day I'll be in heaven. Now, heaven scared me a little bit. And it probably does you if you've thought about it at all. Like, that's a long time. What am I going to do? And what am I going to do? Like, like the heaven seemed a little bit nerve-wracking, but I knew, man, I had made some bad choices. I want a fresh start. I want my sins forgiven. I know only Jesus can do that, and so I want to become a Christian. The problem is, as soon as you sign up to follow Christ, you sign up to follow Christ. When you look in the Gospels, Jesus was abused over and over again. He was misunderstood. He was, uh, he was his own mom who gave a virgin birth to this child. His own mom at one point came up with his brothers and sisters and tried to pull Jesus out of teaching because they said he's lost his mind. So even his own family misunderstood him. Nobody told me 
that following Christ really meant I would follow Christ. And so what I, the illustration I was trying to give last week is there's a lot of things we sign up for that we know we're going to suffer. If you do some tough mutter in January, like you're going to suffer a little bit. If you decide to go run the Peachtree Road Race and the last time you ran was like to stop the pizza guy, like you're going to suffer just a little bit. Like we know I'm signing up and I'm probably going to suffer. We don't really think about that with Christianity, but it is a call. All Christians sign up to suffer. And so you got to wonder, like, where's the glory in that? Well, the flip side, everybody suffers. I think the positive is at least we own it. We look at the scriptures and we say, this is what I'm signing up for. And I have the grace of Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit and the scriptures to guide me and lead me. So let's jump in to 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 1. So Paul says, you then, and we're going to stop right there. When Paul says, you then, he's saying, Timothy, you, as opposed to that other camp, the two guys that I mentioned that fell away, as opposed to them, you're going to be different. And then he goes on and he says, Timothy, you, my child, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I think this is an interesting idea. In fact, I, I prayed a good bit about this, and, uh, and I, I was asking the Lord earlier, I said, Lord, how do you get strengthened by grace? The idea is, in Christianity, there's a tension. This is just good, basic theology for you. In fact, I'm going to give you a chance just to talk with each other for a second. I like it when we do this. Give your best definition of grace to the people right around you. I'm going to give you like 45 seconds. Ready? Go. All right, let's hear. I'm going to pick on Lauren Kelly. She was over here. You see Lauren every week when you come in. Lauren, what's your, what's your best? You can steal from other people. Give me the best definition of grace y'all came up with. A free gift that you don't earn. I like that. Okay. Gentle and lowly or rejoice and tremble? Gentle and lowly. Okay. Can you pass that back? Thanks. That's great. Okay. Yeah, grace is a free gift that you don't earn. Ephesians 2 is the classic chapter. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is the gift of God. It's not by work so that no one should boast. I asked a guy one day, a guy said, uh, he, I was coming into my Calvinist roots. We're going to get into that next week a little bit. But I was coming into, I, I didn't really have roots. I was growing some Calvinist roots. And uh, I grew up very free will. And so I started really wrestling with those two worlds. And I liked some of the, the Calvinist theology. I just didn't know any Calvinists that I liked. Uh, and so, like, that was the problem. They were all so arrogant. I didn't like any of them. So I was like, well, that gotta, that's got to be the wrong theology. But the more I wrestled with the sovereignty of God, the more of a, 
I don't know, it was just a tension, a real tension. And a guy said to me, he said, so you think faith is a gift? And I said, I don't, I don't know, I think it is a gift. He said, you don't think that you can believe in God? I said, I don't even think on my own I can come up with the idea to think about God. Because the scripture says that no one goes and just thinks about God. In fact, Ephesians 2 says, I was dead. Not like drowning, not like Monty Python, mostly dead. Like, I was dead. And so how does a dead man have faith? How does a dead man do anything? So I think that grace is that unmerited gift where God brings a dead person back to life. He gets their attention. He gives them that breath of life. He gives them that opportunity to believe in him and to call out to him. That's grace. It's beautiful. And yet, everybody, hear me on this. You will all, when you get to heaven, face the judgment seat of God for your actions. That is the Christian tension. No theologian has ever been able to resolve it. It is completely up to God, and I am completely accountable for my response. That is this incredible tension. And so I want all of what Paul says in 2 Timothy to be resolved in the grace of Christ. And I believe it is resolved in the beauty and the grace of Christ. But Paul is calling Timothy, Timothy, if you don't want to be in the I fell away from following God camp, and you want to be in the I finished the race, I have kept the faith, you want to be in that camp, then you've got to say, okay, I've, I'm going to give a response one day for my actions. I've got to understand there's a tension. I don't just get to ride the grace train and do what I want. That's the tension that we're getting into the whole rest of this book. And so he says, he says, Timothy, I want you, my child, to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Do you know the, the word grace, it actually is, an, is a, it's older than the New Testament. It actually is a name, Charis, for one of the three Greek sister gods. And she was the god of beauty and fertility. Uh, it was one of these three sisters, and that was her name. She was Charis, and she was this god of beauty. A, real, a really deep, old etymology for the word grace is the idea of beauty. So let me read it to you again. You then, my child, be strengthened by the beauty that is in Christ Jesus. We're gonna look at that a little bit more as we go. Now, what you have learned and what you have seen in my presence, what you have heard from me in my presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then we're going to pause right there. Look, some of you, raise your hand if you've been to 30 Bible studies in your life, at least 30. Keep them up. Raise your hand if you've been to, you can guess here, we're in church, this is guessing, not lying, okay? You're guessing. Raise your hand if you've been to at least 60 Bible studies or sermons. 
same thing. Like Bible studies, sermons, church, okay? Like you've heard like 60 things. All right, I'm being pretty generous here. A hundred. That's about two years of church if you've got really good attendance. 300, that's about six years of church. How about 500, that's about 10 years of church. Okay, let's just stop right there. That is a lot of words about the Lord that you've heard. Let's read the verse again. Everybody look, everybody, especially those of you who had your hands up. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. The word men is anthropa, which can be people in general. So entrust these to faithful people. Now, here's the deal. Pretty much all of you that have heard 10 years worth of church should have at least led a Bible study once. And the longer you sit on it, and the longer you don't give, the better chance you have of sliding into the second camp. There's intense, intense intentionality in Paul saying, look, those two guys fell away. You don't want to be like them. You want to be like your mom. You want to be like your grandmother. You want to be like me. Look, so what you need to do is you need to be strengthened in the beauty of Christ and you need to teach other people. Like how many Bible studies will be enough before you're like, I could probably facilitate a small group. Now, the caveat to that would be, you've had great personal trauma, you've had great loss, you've walked away from the faith and you come back, you need a respite. Maybe you've been giving, 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 and you're like, I just need a respite, I need a Sabbath, I need a retreat, that's totally fine. But most Christians never take this serious and they think it's always somebody else. Look, we have a rock star in the room when it comes to this, John Robert. John Bob. Yes, you guys, I don't know if you know John Robert or not. Look, John Robert has like just produced small groups. He's like, okay, I'm going to meet with a group of guys. And he has this accountability group and he gets, he meets with them for a few months. And then he's like, Thomas, I got two guys in my group that can lead. I'm about to bail on them, start a new group. I'm like, do they know it? He's like, not yet. I'm like, all right. And then he goes to him and he's like, hey guys, you're doing a great job. You can lead this group. And he'll lead a group for four, five, six, seven months. And then he's like, out. And you know what? Those groups do fine. And then John Robert is like, okay, I'm in a new group. I got some great guys, getting to know them a little bit. Uh, okay, a few months later, he's like, Thomas, I got the guys. I'm like, all right, let's do it. I think that's happened three times in the 10 months I've been here. He's about to be on his third group. Like, just John Robert, you need to go hang out right over here afterwards at the welcome table. And if people are like, how do you do that? Like. Just be like, what he said, that's what I do. And it works. And then all of a sudden, people get to participate. Some of you are like, man, I wonder who those people are that are greeting. You could be greeting. Some of you are like, man, I wonder who those people are that like are up on the stage. I play the guitar. Maybe you could be up there too. Some of you are like, man, how could I do this? Like, you just take that next step. You've been given permission right here. If you have been entrusted with faithful things and you've been faithful with them, 
It's time to do something with it. Otherwise, it's just, and I've said this before, it's just spiritual constipation. And like, you're gonna get spiritual gangrene. Like, if you, all you did was take in and nothing ever came out enough, right? You like, you get the picture? Like, it would not be healthy. And that's what most Christians are trained to do. Like, you don't know enough yet, you're not ready yet. And it's guys like me that do that. It's guys like me that are like, no, 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 let the professionals do it. Like, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We should all be walking closer to the Lord. So like, we can help you re get ready if you're not ready. Like, you probably are ready, but like, we can help you. We have a guy full-time on staff who will help you. He'll help you do a small group if you want one. Okay, that's my soapbox. I'm stepping off of that. Now, here we go. <clears throat> Verse three, share in sufferings as a good soldier. You know what? Before we get into like the soldier, the, the athlete, and the farmer, I want you to skip to verse seven. Look at verse seven. Think over what I say to you, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Okay, I'm going to once again, this time I'm going to give you about 90 seconds. You're going to read verses three through six, and then you are going to do what verse seven says. You're going to think over what he just said. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to name three descriptors, one for the farmer, one for, I'm going in reverse order, one for the farmer, one for the athlete, and one for the soldier. Just three descriptors. You're going to think over what he said. Ready? You can do it with like one other person. Don't do it with like five. Ready? Go. Okay. Look, don't you think it's, I think it's so great that Paul who was super, super smart, super learned. He would have had like, he would have been like the double doctor, like the PhD and the MD. He would have been one of those guys. I mean, here he's giving some room and he's like, Timothy, I'm gonna tell you some riddles and just think about it and God will give you clarity. And so I'm going to give you my take on it in just a second. But Catherine, I think you're, are you waving down? Okay, let's hear it. What are your three descriptors? Focus. Focus, obedience, and discipline. Oh, you get rejoice and tremble. Will you, will you bring that back there? Thank you. Focus, obedience, and discipline. All right, here's mine. Pop up that next slide, Brandon. Okay. So I think, I actually think we're on the same page because I wrote down a bunch of words and then I came up with these. Let's, let's read it and let's see. Most of your Bibles, by the way, are titled wrong here. It's called uh, like something to the effect of a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's a, it's like a poor descriptor of this passage. Uh, it's the whole thing is not about being a good soldier and it has three parts in here. It's so anyway, just, you can just mark that out. It's not part of the word of God. It's just like somebody's thoughts. Uh, so let's read it. He says, share in the sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier 
gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And then he's going to change analogies. And he says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And now he's going to change analogies again. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So let's go back to those icons, and I'll show you what I put and why I kind of put descriptors over these. For the soldier, the soldier is willing to suffer. The soldier knows what he or she is signing up for. And one of the things what happens when you become a soldier is you go off to boot camp and you're gone for six weeks. Some of you have had friends go to Paris Island. Some of you have been to those places. You've been all over. You're like, man, I, I went to Fort Benning. I went to, I went to Paris Island. I, you know, I, I had to go, me, I had to go down to Florida or whatever it was. Bless you if you had to go down there and like wear all the camo and the backpacks and go to boot camp. But you're gone. And your friends and family are not like, you're not FaceTiming all the time. Like you're gone. And you're no longer a civilian. Like, you know, you're a soldier, and you know there's going to be suffering, and so you're, what, you're, what you end up doing, and they break you down, and they get you who they want you to be, and you can do like a bunch of push-ups now, and a bunch of pull-ups, and all the things, and when that commanding officer walks in who went through boot camp with you, and then that commanding officer who went through boot camp with you says, ma'am, sir, we are headed overseas, we're going to be the first to be deployed you know, I want to make them proud. They went through all of it with me. And so I think there's a single-mindedness. In the background, you may be thinking, I want to make my parents proud. I want to make my spouse proud, whatever it is, my brothers and sisters. But there's a single-mindedness. Listen to me. If you want to stay in the camp of the faithful, Jesus can't be a hobby He's got to be the thing. And you sign up to follow him. It's not like he's the one who's going to just like get you a spouse or he's the one that's going to get you that job when you start praying. No, you sign up to follow him. That's what the whole purpose of this is. He is the thing. There's not Jesus and other stuff. One of the hardest times in my life was when I had a relationship. You know, I was young. I was like that early high school or late high school, early college, and I had this girlfriend, and like I had just become a Christian, and it wasn't too long before she took the place of God. I still liked God a lot, but I liked her more. That's called an idol. And if you want God to come and clean house in your life, bring an idol in your house. No, he wants us his. And the second one, that, that athlete, well, it's easy to say, oh, well, the athlete example, like you gotta be, you gotta be like training all the time. You gotta be having your quiet time all the time. That's, all that's absolutely true, but that's not what this is about. This athlete, there's lots of athletes. I look up the NCAA rules about eligibility, and so that's, that's why I put staying eligible. Like if you wanna be an athlete, you've gotta stay eligible. You can be an incredible basketball player and be ineligible. 
You can be, some of your, some of your favorite football players got called for targeting last week, and so they are now ineligible for the first half of this next upcoming game. It doesn't matter how good they are, they can't play. The way we stay eligible is we don't cheat the system. We don't think it's okay if I look at porn and I lead my small group. We don't think it's okay if like we mess around in the parking lot. I may have seen some cars here really late at times. I'm like, what are they doing? Um, but I don't, I don't knock on the window. But like, like, we, like we don't like mess around in the parking lot and think like it's okay, God's grace abounds. Like we don't cheat the system. To use a Bible word, it's righteousness. A few weeks ago, we talked about forgiveness. You can't be a person who is unforgiving and expect it to be fine with your walk with God. That athlete stays eligible because they follow the rules. We stay eligible by being right with God, and that involves confession and repentance when we're not right with God. And the third example that he gives is, look, You can't just base life on the seeds in your hand and the soil out in front of you and how you're like, man, I've been doing this for a while and I don't see anything happening. How many farmers in South Georgia, whether you're in like peach country or you're in like soybean country, how many of them, if you went to them in February, would do you think would just be like, I'm so disappointed. My summer crops have not come in. It's February. Like, no, they wouldn't. They would be like, I'm not disappointed. Yeah, we've like cleared the fields. We've planted the the stuff. Like now we're just going to like keep maintaining things and get ready. And we're going to pray for rain and we're going to water the ground and we're going to fertilize and all that. But like, like we have our eyes on the goal. We have our eyes on the prize. We don't just expect that like, man, I've had my quiet time for three weeks. I'd like come to Tuesday nights for like a solid month and my boss is still terrible and like I don't, my friends haven't all given their lives to Jesus and my roommate still drives me crazy. Like that's, Jesus didn't say I'm gonna fix all your stuff. And we're just gonna pause right there because if you really, really get into the weeds of this, when you became, I made eye contact with Ashley Moat, so I'll call on her. When you, when you see, like when Ashley Motes became a Christian, there's a reason that God didn't just zap her up to heaven. When, when Eric Odom became a Christian, Eric, what, how, what, how old were you when you became a Christian? Five or six. You were just a little tyke, little Eric. When little Eric, you were probably only like five feet tall then. Yeah. When Eric became a Christian, When Ashley became a Christian, there's a reason God did not suck them up into heaven, and it's this farmer analogy. It's because he has a work for them to do for him that may not come to fruition for years and years and years to come. They're to keep their eyes on the prize. So we stay focused on the Lord. We try to be right with God and we keep our eyes on the long-term goal of why he left us, which is to bring other people with us when we go. In Acts, the reason the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon people is not to help them be like sexually pure in their dating relationships. The reason the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon people is so they can be witnesses for the Lord. So we keep our eyes on the prize like that farmer does. 
And then he goes on. I'm going to round it out with this. He ends all of that, which is all that tension. That's my responsibility in the grace of God. And then he says, Timothy, I want you to remember Jesus Christ who was risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. And Timothy, I'm going to read between the lines here. It's as though he says, Timothy, just like Jesus did these things, so am I, for which I am suffering. Definitely Jesus suffered. I'm bound with chains as a criminal. Jesus was treated as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Once Jesus was crucified and resurrected, his light went out everywhere, and the word of God is not bound. And so Paul's life is mirroring the life of Christ. Therefore, Timothy, I endure for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. That, tr that trustworthy saying, he says, if we died with him, we'll live. If we endure, he will reign, we will reign with him. But then he gives the two negatives. If we deny him, he's going to deny us. And if we're faithless, he's still going to be faithful because he's good. And he's always faithful. God is moving on with his plan. The big question for you is the same question for me. It was the same question for Timothy. Timothy, God is moving on with his plan to redeem humanity. Are you going to join in his plan? Are you going to box Christianity up into this little self-help package of how do I get better and how do I get my things and how do I rub the, the, the genie Jesus lamp so that he comes out and wishes, gives me all my wishes? Paul's calling Timothy to something so much bigger than this little personal Jesus. He's calling Timothy to be a part of the revolution, the revolution that began all the way back in the garden. I want to read you the words from Matt Papa and uh, Matt Boswell just came out with a new album, and they have a song uh, that is just really, really, uh, that really, really illustrates well this idea. So in verses 1, in verses 8, and then 11 through 13, we're called to remember Jesus and be strengthened in his grace, to live single-mindedly for him, to live righteously, even though everybody else, especially the most disappointing are the ones who are Christians who try to cut the corners and cheat. We're supposed to stay eligible and live righteous and keep the long game in mind of God's redemptive work, and I get to be a part of it. So listen to these words, and I want to help us remember Jesus as Paul commands us to. Christ, the true and better Adam, Son of God and Son of Man, who when tempted in the garden never yielded, never sinned. He who makes the many righteous brings, back, brings us back to life again. Dying, he reversed the curse, then rising, he crushed the serpent's head. Christ, the true and better Isaac, humble son of sacrifice, 
who would climb the fearful mountain there to offer up his life. Laid with faith upon the altar, Father's joy and only Son, there salvation was provided. Oh, what full and boundless love. Amen, amen, from beginning to end. Christ the story, his the glory, alleluia, amen. Christ, the true and better Moses, called to lead a people home, standing bold to earthly powers, God's great glory to be known. With his arms stretched wide to heaven, see the waters part in two, see the veil is torn forever, cleansed with blood we pass now through. Amen, amen, from beginning to end, Christ the story, his the glory, alleluia, amen. Christ, the true and better David, lowly shepherd, mighty king, he the champion in battle, where, O death, is now thy sting. In our place he bled and conquered, crown him Lord of majesty. His shall be the throne forever, we shall heir his people be. Amen, amen, from beginning to end, Christ the story, his the glory, alleluia, amen. To fully experience the grace of Jesus, we have to fully embrace Jesus' call for our lives. His call for my life and for your life is to help be on the mission of bringing people back from the dead. It's not to get all my little prayers answered, even though he does that. Most Christians in the city want a God who's just going to do their wish list The God of this Bible can fill all the wish list. He can do them. But he's so much bigger than that. And when God doesn't fill my wish list, a lot of times I get disappointed and I end up in that second camp. I end up in the camp of the walked away. But when I start to see Christ, the true and better Adam, Christ, the true and better Isaac. Christ, the true and better Moses. And I realize I am called to be a part of that. I am strengthened in his grace. And I find myself rising to the challenge of living one more day in hopes that I might be a part of his great glorious mission. And so I call you tonight. Maybe it's a night to repent and to say, God, I've been all about me and this faith is all about you. And I would say your prayer is then, God, what's my ministry? What's my mission? How do I fulfill your call with the time I have? Will and the band are gonna come up. Saturday, I'm gonna do a funeral for a man who's 40 years old. Has a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. He had a really successful business, and Wednesday night was flying home on a private chartered flight to get back, and that's the last anybody heard of him. 
I think if that man who has now seen the Lord face to face could come back for one more day and he could join us here this evening, I think he would say, I have beheld the Lord face to face and there's none better. And I think he would say, I don't know what's on your list of importance, but just put it down if it doesn't start and end with Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you would move in our hearts, that you would be king, and that we would remember you and be amazed at your grace. It's in Jesus' name, amen.